So, let's give ourselves a bit of a... I want you to revisit the figure that we, we started discussing and uh, we didn't come up with a resolution and I think I've come up with a somewhat resolution. The figure we began discussing was based on the idea of spatial orientation and we figured out by simply looking around ourselves that we are very small. Very small. In other words, even though I hold myself as being the center of the universe because wherever I go, there I am. I've never been anywhere without myself. As a result, I feel that the, 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 the consequential feeling is that I'm the biggest thing in the world. Because even things which are big in relation to where I am seem quite small. For example, the sun, the moon, the stars. From my perspective, they're tiny. Therefore, when I measure them in relation to myself, everything pretty much in the world is smaller than I am. The resultant emotional accompaniment to that feeling is that the world essentially revolves around me. So one of the first things a person has to develop in his um, self-development is what's called spatial orientation. And it can be seen in children that we demonstrated ourselves when I ask a group of kids, I'm sure all of you this wouldn't be a problem at all and I'm not going to test it because I'm just sure it wouldn't. But when I asked a group of a classroom of children to mirror my movements, you know, move the same hands that I'm moving when I'm moving them and I do a series of movements like this. So when facing me, the majority of people, children, <laughs> when I lift up my right hand, they will lift up their left because that's the direction in regard to them that I'm moving. It's, sorry? No, I'm yes. So, so in order for me to lift, when I'm, when I'm trying to follow someone else's movements, Josh, and in order for me to lift the hand that's on the other side of my body to the one they're moving, I have to actually reorientate my viewpoint from their eyes. So I have to get out of myself and see the world from their perspective. The beginning of chesed and the beginning of a consciousness of a creator involves spatial orientation, the ability to step out of myself and see myself from a different perspective. The key to the Because until I can get out of my own selfish shell and see it from another's perspective, I can't in any way keep the mitzvah because I'll always be measuring another's needs based on my own. Which is one of the strange um, quirks in the halachas of tzedakah which people have a lot of problems with. There's a lot in tzedakah which we've discussed many times before, whereas if I have an unlimited amount of cash in my tzedakah fund, and I can provide with all people of all different need levels, and the person comes to me and he says, I'd really like to ask you for assistance. And you say, well, what do you need? He says, I need a Rolls Royce. You say, do you realize that this is a charity fund? So he says, yes, absolutely. And I've recently lost my Rolls Royce. Um, it broke down. I can't get it fixed. I need a new one. So the Gavit Tzedakah says, well, 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 what would you say? I know what you're saying. Take say. a hike. Take a hike, bro. What are you talking about? You know, you know, the, the people over here, they can't, people come to me, don't have food to put on their table, and you're like asking for Rolls Royce, go jump in the lake. Whereas Allah is, you say to the person, well, tell me, how did you come about the original Rolls Royce here? He says, well, the truth is, uh, I have to confess, I was a multi-millionaire. Unfortunately, business isn't going as well as it used to and I've sold most of my assets 
and now my car's broken down, I can't get it fixed, and um, I need a new one. To which the Gavit Sarko responds, fine, write him my check for his Rolls Royce. Now, that can only be understood <coughs> in the context when, when you put yourself in the place of the rich man and you realize that to him the Rolls Royce is to the poor person his simple, crude wooden chair that he needs next to his table. His emotional need for that object is as dire as the poor person's is for his chair. So we, as the person providing like a relief for the pain, which is our act of chesed, are required to relieve this person of his pain, but from the perspective that this person needs this thing and that this is the ichor, is it like... That's problematic. Whenever we approach a person with chesed, we don't look at, we don't, we don't look at what he needs to grow spiritually, we look at what he needs physically. Uh. You have to worry about your spirituality is worrying about your friend's physicality. Hello, riding the horse. Hilal, what happened was, the Gemara late in, in relation to this, that the way that the, the way this halach is reflected in the Mishnah, it says if a person was so rich that he had a slave to run in front of him, and a servant that would actually run in front of him, just for his honor, that he'd have helpers, accompanying everywhere he went. So there was a man, that, a rich man, that lost his, lost his money, and he needed the slave. One day his slave was sick. Hilal Hazarkane, ran before him as his slave. So you see two things which are fascinating. You see the greatness of Hillel and the smallness of this man. The greatness of Hillel that he understood that this was a need for the person and therefore he's able to hum- humble himself and do it just because he understood how much it meant to the person. And you see how pathetic this man was that in his desperate need for someone to run before him it didn't bother him that it was the leader of Kali so I was doing it. So that's the dichotomy. Following me. So, like, all right. So I understand how that is an, an act of hesed, and it's a legitimate act of hesed. So, would trying to help someone by showing them the error of their own ways? It's not your. It's not your that job. That's not, not your job, Ford. Okay. I know you think it is, but no. that's not your job. But is that not? Co- that's not considered an act. So of now, now, now we come to a whole new thing. Chesed is good for the giver, destroys the taker. For this guy, this rich guy. From a moral perspective, the worst thing in the world you can do for him is give him a new car. You have to sit him down and say to him, listen buddy, it's only money. It's not important. Move on. Correct? But again, it depends who you are. If he's Rebbe and you're trying to educate him, that's your obligation. If you're an uninvolved party, that that's not your role, you're primary concern is to care for his creature comforts. When someone walks into your house, the ideal is you provide him with a spread of delicious food. Cakes. Cheesecake. Delicious succulent cheesecake. Mm, I can almost smell the caramel filling. And you offer him, when you're asking for the kind of coffee he likes, if he likes freshly ground Brazilian, you go get the beans and you grind them and you brew them and you give it to him. But you're just indulging him. What you do to him is you make him into the biggest slave to his desires possibly imaginable. Imaginable. That's what you have to do. Because your job is you have to do chesed. That's called chesed. Okay? Now, this is interesting. That's called chesed. But the truth is that's great for you because you concerned 
come out of yourself. You grow. You become bigger. You become. For him, it destroys him. He becomes smaller. He becomes more into so his designs. So, the, the so, so now, now you see a secret, a secret, and you have to know how to deal with the secret. The secret is in our relationship to our Creator. There's two ways he relates to us. Chesed. But then, imagine this person comes to your house and you realize that he has a problem, he's got an addiction to coffee. And you say, do you know what? I'm going to be kinder to him than give him the coffee. I'm not going to give him the coffee. But I'm just not not going to give him the coffee. I mean, sit down and say, listen, this whole thing with coffee is ruining you. You can't focus on what you're doing because you're thinking about your coffee. If you don't have your coffee, your mind's all over the show. Let's go on a 10-week program that we're going to kick this addiction and we'll get you free of it. You'll just be able to drink pure, undiluted water. That's called Midat Hadin, the attribute of justice. Din is actually, in truth, the greater chesed? The greatest chesed you can ever give to a person is Din. That's called Hashem, God, Hashem, Hashem, the middle of the attribute of chesed, who I look in the attribute of justice. The reason why Hashem puts us in this world and gives us tests is because if He put us into this world and gave us everything, He would destroy us. So He says, I'm not going to give you anything. I'm going to give you challenges which will allow you to become great yourself. Right? That's the greatest gift you can give a person. But again, you have to know who you are. You have to be that person in that relationship. So if you're the Rebbe, if you're the father, you have to work with your children in such a way that you give chesed with din. If you're, if you're, if you're a, an uninvolved party, so then you give pure undiluted chesed. It's not your job to make him into a man. It's your job to make sure his creature comforts are taken care of. So the idea behind Gamzelatov is that Hashem is always acting appropriately. Always. Okay. Michael. So let's say you're a person who's working on your creature comforts and when you walk into a house unbeknownst to the person who is just... You mean you're working on going beyond and not becoming a slave to your creature comforts? Right. So you're working on that. The person comes to you and he wants to participate in this act of chesed. He goes, can I get you some coffee? Can I give you some... Can I get you some some cakes and whatnot? Because he really wants to you know, get that act of Gimel Chassadim um, and you say no aren't you severing that that uh, oh, so now you have to be now, now now you have to be super advanced meaning you go in there and you say no so now what you're doing is is you not allowing him the kindness that he wants to do to you yeah on the other hand if you say to him bring it on so then you sacrificing your own spiritual development so what do you do in that situation Ben Rechava, what do you do in that situation? I have no clue how that's totally spacing out. Being honest, I'm sorry. I was wondering if you were Eitan. What would you do in that situation? I'm confused. Good. Jeremy, what would you do in that situation? You wouldn't eat. You wouldn't eat. But it's really offensive for the person when you go to the house and they're really like going out of their way for you and you don't eat. It's really not nice for them. I can, but I don't want to... I don't... I mean, I'm allowing him to put a stumbling block in front of me. So I'm really, it's leaf naive. Oh, leaf so the interesting is there's no leaf naive when it comes to midas. In other words, you can put a 
bad character trait stumbling block in front of a person. I can make you more of a desiring individual. I can make you more in love with honor. But he's putting a stumbling block in front of me, it seems like. Right. So I'm stopping him from doing that. But he's a god. No, he, he's doing the right thing. For him? Yes. Not for me? Yes. But you have to do the right thing for him. I also have to do the right thing for me. Josh Ford, what do you do? I would eat. You'd eat? I'd also yeah. eat. You'd eat? Yeah. Mr. Supposing, what are you doing in this situation? Repeat. Repeat the question. You come to someone's house and okay. you really, you, you've been working really hard on, you know, for, for both spiritual and dietary reasons, that you're not just going to indulge in cake and coffee. But you go to a person and they've really gone out of their way. They bought the freshest Colombian coffee beans and they've ground you the most exquisite coffee and they've made you the best cake you've ever seen in your life. You don't want to eat it. But you can imagine the disappointment they'll be like, have to endure when they've gone out of their way to do this and then you sit there and you say, Sorry, I'm on a diet. And I don't drink coffee. What should you do in that situation? What I would do, and it's happened to me many times. Oh. I like to eat healthy. Oh. And then you get there and there is this beautiful spray. Gavaldi. Okay. I will, I'll take a taste of something oh. to just indulge them that, you know, thanking them and, you know, have a little bit and you know, just leave it there and I'll try to be as hospitable without trying to, like, ruin my diet or ruin whatever I'm trying Fantastic. to do. But have more. Fantastic. Take more. Yeah. Hey. You know, the I'm Jewish so, mom complex. I'm so full. That's a good excuse. That's great. That's great. That's great. I didn't know you were having food. I, I ate before I came. I'm so sorry. No, that, that's horrible. When you say I ate no, before you I came. You have a little bit, but if they say, please take more, you'd be so like, what you sorry, do is, I ate In other words, what you yeah. do is, you, 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 take, you take more. Yeah. And the tr- truth is, you know, unless it's like an intimate, you know, the two of you, but if it's like an event or uh, more than one person, the chances are they're not, the eyes aren't glued to your plate. Are you assuming the food is kosher? You can always use the kosher excuse. No, 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 Ben, Ben, Ben. Kosher food, bro. Kosher food. Like, where are you hanging out? Like, what's, <laughs> this, what's this all about? I live in Milwaukee. Is it the dots? Oh, I, I don't hold it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't hold by Ruben, but it is Ruben. Uh, I meant Ada Serena. So, so the, 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 the <laughs> application to the rule, the application, another application to the same idea is when a person goes out of their way to do that for you and their level of kashrut doesn't meet your standards. But it's not, not kosher. It just happens to be that you're on a more strict kashrut diet. Yeah, so, so what do you do in that situation? You sever that. That's another way of severing that. Uh, forget the dietary. Like no, it's what? happened. That, that again, that's it's happened, happened to me. me. Yeah. So what did you do? I had to like really. First, oh, that that's a, it was it was triangle K, which I mean a lot of people. You ate basic. You ate. Thank you. I, I didn't. You didn't eat. No. Why not? I had to. It's not kosher. It was a like triangle K, so I knew for sure like. My, my rabbi told me like not to eat whatever that product was. It was, it was like some kind of raisin or something. It was like, totally, it was not good. I had, like to, I had to explain like it was a Jewish person too, and I said you know I'm sorry. I really appreciate you went out of your way. And I, I said it kind of like a smile. To, to and how did it go down? It didn't go down. It, it kind of like I don't know. It was it was weird. Like we been spoken until this day. Probably like later she was probably upset, but at the time I don't know. It was really it was different. I don't know. It was a while ago too. It's very vague. Uh, Jeremy, Jeremy, what happened? Let's see how uh, the situation. I went to like a distantly related uh, like cousin of my dad's, and they uh, they keep they'll just eat any, like any hexer. So, like already I was <laughs> I was uncomfortable. 
like, and they, they were trying to feed me, and like, I can make you this, I can make you that, and I'm like, uh, no, no, maybe I'll look at the hex right now, it's okay. Um, you said that? I, yeah, I mean, it's like, no, I'm not, I'm not hungry. Like, I, I said, like, I'm not, I, like, when I heard that, I'm like, okay, I'm not really hungry, but, like, maybe some, I tried, I tried to, like, do it as gingerly as possible, I ended up having, like, some cereal that was, like, Mahadran for, um, for, um, Renana, I, I hope that was okay, but, I mean, cold cereal and cold milk, like, figured that was the best I could do, I, but I, everything else, I just, I just tried to as politely as possible decline, and it got, it got, like, I wouldn't say heated, but I mean, they, they seemed to get really offended, mm. but then I kind of got inf- offended in turn, like, they were, like, offensive, <laughs> but I got offended in turn, they were like, well, you, you won't eat anything on, that's not on the list, like, what, what's, what's wrong with this, like, what's wrong with you, and, like, <laughs> Yeah. It's kind. Of, it's gotten to the point yeah, in my I, family because my my brother has gotten my brother is also religious <coughs> and uh, he's younger than me and uh, so it got, like, in, while we were becoming religious and starting to keep stronger in our kashras, let's say we were having like a family event or something. My aunt would go out and she would know. Okay, my nephews are starting to keep kosher, so she would go out and specifically buy shorabor hot dogs and then put them on the on on her grill. And so, you know, I went out of my way and I got you kosher hot dogs. So here they are. And, you know, and so it was funny, they were even saying, like, there's, there's, there's a very hush of Robin Milwaukee, and they were saying, even he would eat these hot dogs. And they're convinced. So that's one side of the family. Another, my Israeli family, they're, they're very, very Israeli. So whenever I go and visit them, they say, everything's kosher in Israel, it's kosher. Eat, <laughs> eat the food. It's all kosher ingredients. I'm like, so you, you, basically, my, my brother and I have gotten, gotten to the point is, we tell our family, nicely like smiles and like to not make it look like we don't like what we're doing and try and present ourselves like we like what we're doing which we do and you have to say you know i'm sorry thank you for going out of your way i appreciate it very much i know that you went out of your way that's amazing that you did that i love you too but call me next time call me next time or really from now on either please check with us before you do something or just you don't have to go out of your way and do anything we can take care of ourselves and you say very nicely and then they say, well, I'm your aunt, can't I do something for you? And you say, I know you're, I know you're my aunt, and I know you love me, I love you too, I'm trying to keep kosher, and if, if, if we're, you're not we're sure, running, you can ask We're me. running into the same thing of what we were presenting before. What we're doing is, someone's going out of the way, instead of you wanting, I think it, it's easier when it's just, I'm not kosher. But when it's, you know, well, the extra, pl- that's the problem. Say, yeah, so when it's kosher, no, it's, it's, and you don't hold by it, so you're severing it's that a very case. Pro- and then, it, you know what it is, Rabbi, it turns into, it's about me and not them. Well, well it's, me, different, me, me. it's different when the person is ignorant of kosher in general. They don't keep kosher at all, but they buy something just not knowing what it is. Versus somebody who keeps what do you mean? They went out, uh, to they went out of their way, but they, they went out of their way as much as like, they could, you know? But it yeah. was, they, don't, they don't understand kosher at all. But somebody, like... So when you say like that's not it, they're like they just don't understand. So it's like okay, I guess I'll just go this. But somebody who like actually keeps a different level than you, and you say I'm not, I don't want to eat that. They're like, well, so we don't keep kosher. It's a fascinating. They're the actually fascinating, offended. The 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 fence is quite an interesting thing. Um, you know, the, 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 I remember and, uh, this. This is a scary thing because when you're dealing with Jewish issues, so it always becomes emotionally heightened. Oh yeah. Because. Right. Uh, when I was back, 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 back in days when, when I'd hair. So I was in Rosamach and there was this guy that had just come literally from India. He'd been in India for the last, I think, six to eight months, traveling from ashram to ashram. And he'd like phone his parents once or twice a month, it was in the days before 
phones were used and um, there was like you, you'd make I would speak to my friends once every two weeks on a collect call and you'd call him and say oh, Omar how are you doing because I was like was that collect reverse charges yeah, quite fine. Oh, Pop, Pop, had a baby, it's a boy, come back. <laughs> That's my name. Except without the call me back part. Oh. Hi, Marde, doing fine, she was great. Yes, 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 I know this is costing 3,000 shekels a minute. Okay, bye, 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 bye. That's what it used to be like. So you'd find his parents from time to time. And, uh, <laughs> like, you remember, he said the phone call was, he, like, eventually came to, he landed up in Israel, and he decided to spend some time in Orsamach. And his parents' response, when he told him, Hi, Marde, yeah, what did you do in Jerusalem, actually, in Shiva? They said, What? You're crazy! That's a cult. <laughs> He just come off. He's just been in fifteen different ashrams, and he's oh, that's so interesting. That's amazing. Oh, I'm glad you're experiencing life. That's beautiful. You've seen that. But when 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 Judaism becomes the point of the thing that you're being influenced by, it strikes a chord in, in everyone that has a sense of connection and involvement. I'm I'm pretty sure if a person's a vegetarian and someone bought them vegetarian food and he said, oh, I'm sorry, but like I'm actually a vegan, they wouldn't be offended. They would just say, Oh, I didn't know will be over. But somehow with countries it becomes an emotional issue. What do you mean this is not good for you? Well, you know, I know my friend Shimon Spontonko, he ate this sitting upside down with crackers. Crackers, okay, crackers. Rubs. Why was he sitting upside down? You're like, you're like you. Rubs, right? Um, <laughs> how, do we, how, do we, how do we balance the being cognizant of the other person and of ourselves? So, this is a, this is a, this is a very, this is a very difficult predicament that about sugar often finds himself in. It's compromise your values and you don't want to just give in because of social pressure on the other hand you don't want to create an unnecessary breakdown in family relationship and it comes it comes across it comes across in food it comes across in in hugging and kissing relatives or good friends Wait, what's the luck about your aunt are you allowed to hug or not no okay sorry no it's good so it's it, good. it comes brother and sister? hey no brother and sister, sister, sister mother um, grandmother Gmar says you're an idiot Daughter. if you do that, right? No, oh, different, different, hey. different, different. <laughs> but kids, so the point is, the point is, you have to know how to be able to deal with Rubber. them. And hopefully over the course of time, if you are acting with a rational and a emotionally mature demeanor, so then it becomes, it works. It works. At first, I think inevitably it's always hard, but it works. But there are ways of diffusing tension. For example... If one of your parents' friends comes up to, up to you and says, Oh, I have to give you a hug. So it's very offensive to say, Don't touch me. Don't. Just do this. No, it would be much better no, to say. There, go cold and go it all comes back yeah. to Montana. You think your teachers are a lasso. Um, you can say something like, I'm very sorry, but the Torah prohibits me from, from having physical contact with extremely attractive women. To which you'll say, I completely understand that. <laughs> 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 but I'm your aunt, that's a weird statement. We're talking about aunts. Aunts is different. The kids are problem. You hear the problem, supposedly, Junior, in this context. When you start blaming Judaism, though, then that might cause the other person to start resenting Judaism because you're saying, oh, it's not me, it's Judaism. And so you put a label on it, then that people start resenting the label you put on it. 
No, but then they say it's not. Then they'll say it's not Judaism. It's your interpretation of Judaism. And that's why it's important to say how Rabbi said it as the Torah, because it's not Judaism. It's the Torah. You, not that they're separate or divided. No, you but can't divide it. You can to a non-observant. It's the same thing. Right. Well, I mean, if you say always. no, if you say Judaism, I, I've got like yeah. people have been like, well, like, like your well, the reformer conservatives yeah, Judaism. drive cars on Shabbos, right? right. Something like that. If you say, like the Torah, or I mean, like. If you say the Talmud, Torah, it's or, boom. Yeah. I mean, Torah, like if you say Torah, right. they're like, oh, there's so many interpretations of that. Oh, the Talmud, and I say, oh, the Talmud does. And yeah. They're like, what's I that? I didn't even. Know. No, yeah. you, know, you know which one I love is Kibbutz uh, Avayim. Uh, that when you bring in, <laughs> oh, I get it. I get it. What's your raya? I don't get it. <laughs> no, because there's limitations to it. You know, Mikey, I think if anyone should be speaking about respecting your father, it should be your father, not you. <laughs> Come on. What? <laughs> <laughs> I have I a lot of different uh, <laughs> beliefs and, and all that about honoring your parents, but that's for a whole other issue. <laughs> I, I, I feel, you know, I just... It, go for it, go for it. Too deep in it. It's like, Mrs. You know, Buzzard, this is an open forum. You, you have no idea what gets discussed in the show. You see the trees, but you don't see the forest type of thing, I believe very strongly in, in a lot of that is being interpreted that way. In other words, what often happens with Bale Tshuva is that there are what, if I can say back what you said to me, if I'm understanding correctly, that what can happen is you land up having fights over or disagreements over little things which are in the long-term projection of where the relationship is going. Um, are just not worth arguing over. Is that what you mean? No. Oh. More of... Okay. Make sure you stand when your father comes in the room. Um, you know, let him go before you. Open up the door for him. Those are... Those are, those the, are the macro. Yes. But the love and the respect and the honor you mean isn't, that's doesn't necessarily follow that the Torah says you must be You mean it's Baroque performance without the spirit of the law being captured? Now you're getting closer to it, yes. In other words, uh, when the Torah says respect your father, it's not telling you to do a system of Baroque robotic performances that when he comes in the room, you should stand up, and you should stand up to the height of six feet, otherwise, etc., etc. It's saying to you, because your parents have given you life, so therefore, you have to have an awe of them, and the way you express that awe is by standing up when they come to you. Yeah, you should have the love and the respect and the honor, not just by right. Isn't this back to the whole discussion about finding God through the Torah and how just doing Torah is like? Well, why are you doing this? Because it says to do this. Well, why are you doing this? Because it says to do this. No, but the point is to find love and connection to Hashem. But you get it through the Torah, and it's well, doing these actions to find connection. You know, one of the things we discussed. Was was that a mitzvah? The actual the word mitzvah doesn't doesn't mean commandment. It actually means connection. And um, if a person performs the commandments as a set of instructions, so he's followed what Hashem commanded, but he hasn't kept a mitzvah. A mitzvah is invested with an emotional component of connection. Now, there's two kinds of mitzvahs: the mitzvah between man and man, and the mitzvah between man and God. But if you think about it, it's a bit of an absurd distinction to make. Who are the mitzvahs between man and God between, Alex? 
yourself and God. Who are the mixes between man and man between? Yourself and somebody else. One would think between you and God. Who told you to do that? Who told you to give tzedakah? Is it rhetorical? Or? Just, just be yourself. Just be yourself. Who told me to give tzedakah? Um, I don't know. The Torah. The Torah. God. Who told you to visit the sick? God. What do you mean it's a mitzvah between man and man? If you're understanding between that the mitzvah between man and God means the commander of the mitzvah is God, so then you can't distinguish between, otherwise you'd say there's a mitzvah between me and my estrogen, there's a mitzvah between me and my filling. If the mitzvah between, if the, if the description of between Ben Adam Lamakim between man and God means he's the commander of why I'm doing this, so then you can't make any distinctions between mitzvahs. So where does the distinction lie? The distinction lies in who you're doing the mitzvah for. When you do a mitzvah between man and God, you're doing the mitzvah for between you doing it for Hashem. When you do a mitzvah between man and man, Hashem told you to do it, but you're doing it for the person. And that's why it rings so hollow when people try to do mitzvahs between man and man because they're from. Hello. So nice to meet you. I'm doing such a big mitzvah here. Yeah? He's such a nevach. I'm going to be so kind to him. Hello. That, that false smile doesn't go anywhere. There's a story about Nachum Pitzavis. He was sick. He was a the mirror. And someone came to help him. And you realize, by the way, the person was helping him, that he wasn't really being very helpful. So he said, listen, he says, it's very nice of you to come. The problem is, you came out to do a mitzvah. I need help. <laughs> So that, 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 that's the difficulty and that's the challenge of between man and man. So what should, what should uh, regarding Kibbutz Abayim, a, a child should be, should be aware of when they're doing it, just to build the connection, right? Not to fulfill the mitzvah. Both. In other words, the, 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 the keeping of the halachot should be an expression of the connection between father and son, son and mother. That's what it should be. And then it's also it's, it's limited by certain parameters. In other words, the mitzvah between father and son, or between kibbutz of aim, is a mitzvah which whereby a person has to give respect and honor to his parents. Um, but it also doesn't mean that a person has to lose his independence. That, that's a, that's a very difficult thing in, in child-parent relationships is that honor and independence are not contradictory. That you can honor your parents, but you can live your own life. And that's, that's also, these are all deep and tricky and intricate. It's not so easy. It's not so easy. It's not so easy. And the truth is, I mean, as, as Mr. Sposik well knows, that whenever any of, you, any of us become from, it's not a decision which only affects you. An affection, it's a decision which affects everyone in your social and familial fabric. Everyone gets affected by it. And uh, it's, 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 it's a huge, in other words, when a person becomes from, he takes everyone around him to a certain degree with it, with him. And that's, uh, that's, uh, that's a tricky, tricky thing to negotiate tricky things to negotiate, short-term and long-term. Yeah, when my uh, older son became from, the whole family dynamics changed. 
And and that's that's like the happy ending when you learn to love it. Unfortunately, <coughs> there's some people that don't accept it. You know, um, I've got friends who who their parents who are friends have been from for 20 years, and their parents are like still kind of trying to you know are you still at it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like like when you're gonna like you know what do you mean? When are you gonna come to your senses? When are you gonna come to your senses? What do you mean? I've already got like third generation <laughs> yeah. like, so that you know if, that's obviously that that's that's the happy ending so well I mean it also I think I think it's been, it's been shown that uh, on the flip side for like the parents of what you're saying like, you know are gonna come around like you know when when you know when a, when a child makes a decision when did the when did the parents finally come around I mean, Again, it depends on the person, it depends on the relationship. You know, a person can only do what they can do, and what you try to get, it's, 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 it's a difficult emotional territory to navigate. But it's, it's, it's a hard thing. It has a big effect on everybody. It's really interesting because I lived in a house last year on my campus with a really good Israeli friend of mine. So, first off, like one of the big things that like changed my friends when I started becoming Shomer Shabbos was that I had certain friends that I only hung out with on Thursday and Friday nights, once in a while on Saturday. So if I'm going to shul and going to a Shabbos meal and then coming back very late at night and then going to shul again in the morning, I'm not seeing those people. And if I only see them on that night, then the friendship is gone. And it wasn't really even a friendship, is why I came to realize then it was just, oh, you're like a drinking buddy or a whatever buddy. So yeah, so then you don't see those people and you realize like you weren't really even that good of a friend anyway, whatever, and like, if you don't want to see me, I don't want to see you, Beseder, see ya, <laughs> what, so that was one thing, another big thing is, uh, more happy ending, is that, that Israeli that I lived with, saw, he's like, okay, you put on the fill in every morning, I'll put on the fill in, so he put, even now, he puts, I'm not even in America, he puts the fill in on every day, hmm. yeah, so it has a huge effect on everybody, he doesn't so much keep kosher, he kept very strict kosher for Passover, and, uh, whatever, he, he does mitzvahs that he can. It's amazing. Out of curiosity, was he Sparty? No. Oh, really? Yeah. I had a. I, was I, had, a, I had a friend yeah, growing. I have a friend, and he was he was keeping Shabbat before me, and his house was kosher and everything. And he slowly, the whole family slowly drifted. Yeah. And uh, and then I'm we kind of like crisscrossed. Right. And uh, right. recently I was just called brainwashed, <laughs> and uh, he came to our Sabbath too. It's interesting. Incredible. As a, as a huge effect on everybody. Like my, my family, I always talk about my aunt and how she, in the beginning, you know, what do you mean you won't eat this and all that stuff? I mean, now it's like, okay, they know not even to bother. Like, my brother and I will take care of our food the Seder. We know what we're doing. They, don't, they unfortunately don't know what they're doing. So we just take care of it. And my, my family is, is all right with it. We're all right with it. That's just how it is. And so, I mean, they very much just, like, accepted. Like, okay, we're in Israel. We're in yeshiva. We're living this kind of life in the Seder. It really it has a big effect on them. And we kind of see that they do get nachos. Amen. Okay, gentlemen, thank you for uh, participating in that somebody I just want to thank Bill Clinton for coming.